business continuity practitioners have to make sure they're part of the key team and kind of force themselves into that position of saying, I am a trusted advisor because I am good at what I do. Welcome to the Failover Plan podcast. I'm Shane Matthew. Just a quick reminder that we're on the hunt to hit our goal of becoming one of the best podcasts in the business continuity world. If you haven't done so yet, join our LinkedIn group or subscribe to our newsletter. You can find links to both on our website at failoverpodcast.com. We've got an exciting giveaway plan for our LinkedIn group members and newsletter subscribers, so check out both sites to find out more. All right, let's get on to the show. Now recently, when I'm meeting new people and tell them that I work in business continuity and crisis management, I've been struck by the fact that I hear them say basically the same thing each time. They typically say, wow, people in your line of work must really be busy. The pandemic must have really made companies happy to have you work for them. Upon hearing that, I usually pause and chuckle and quickly change the subject because I really hate to tell them that as far as I can tell, that hasn't always been the case with everyone. Now, earlier this year, as part of an effort to head off the mass unemployment expected due to the COVID-19 crisis, Microsoft's LinkedIn launched a new initiative called Open to Work. The feature on the social media site would make it easy for LinkedIn users to let people know that they were looking for employment by letting users add a badge to their profile, which could be visible to everyone. Then the strange thing is, I noticed a lot of my colleagues in the business continuity industry start to display this badge or post a request to help in finding their next job because they had been let go. And I wasn't the only one to notice this trend. Michael Herrera, CEO of BCMM Metrics and MHA Consulting, wrote an article titled Sidelined, The Strange Fate of BCM During the COVID Pandemic, which echoed what I'd been seeing. Now, Michael founded MHA and has quickly become a leading provider of business continuity and disaster recovery services. And with his experiences in the industry and exposure to many clients facing these issues, I thought I'd talk with him about the reasons why he'd seen this trend in the business continuity industry. So uh, welcome, Mr. Michael Herrera. Michael is the CEO of uh, BCM Metrics and MHA Consulting. So Michael, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, sir. And I greatly appreciate to speak to you and, and your audience. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Excellent. So why don't you give uh, the listeners you know, just kind of a 30-second overview of uh, your companies. You have two that I've listed here, but give us a little background on uh, you know the companies themselves, what you do, uh, so everybody can have a little context for who you are. Absolutely. Um, again, Michael Herrera, I'm the CEO of MHA Consulting and BCM Metrics. Uh, MHA Consulting specializes in, in basically across the business continuity spectrum, end-to-end, from developing and, and your business impact analysis, conducting current states, creating plans, all the way through testing, maintenance, and continuous improvement. And very importantly, then we created BCM Metrics, which is our suite of metrics tools, our SaaS-based tools for business continuity that support us in not only the consulting, but our subscribers in assessing compliance, conducting BIAs, building your plans, and then storing them all. So a very comprehensive suite of tools that support the full development and administration and management of your program. I see. So how did you get into a world like this? I know my story is kind of crazy. It it did not come into a path of, I went to college for this. It wasn't like that. So I'm finding that's the case with a lot of people I talk to in this industry, but I'm curious about yours. How, How did you, how did you get into this world? Oh, it was a, you know, really, I was truly one of the, you know, they show pictures of the old IT guys with the pocket protector. 
uh, in the old days. I was actually one of those guys working for a uh, financial firm. And so we started business continuity when then when it was called disaster recovery. Hmm. And all we con- were concerned about was IT recovery. So I was truly on, on the front, front edge uh, of business continuity disaster recovery. Uh, and then uh, what was the great thing is we were a savings loan. We got bought by Bank of America. And then I got hired to start the business continuity department there in Arizona. And I ended up with the entire Southwest, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and Nevada, became a regional vice president. And then the best thing that could have ever happened to me did. They laid me off. <laughs> that doesn't sound too exciting. It was, it was one of the best things because I already had started consulting on the side. My oh, boss, okay. She was a very forward-thinking manager. Okay. Uh, started consulting on the side. And when they laid me off, they gave me a year severance and a year's worth of insurance bootstrapped my consulting firm 21 years later. Wow. That, that is a pretty nice parachute to come out of, oh. especially if you're starting a new company like you did. It was amazing. It was That's one cool. of the best things. And, and I've been able to take it now. 20, it's April was 21st year. Amazing. Amazing. So, you know, I know the pandemic uh, that we've all been, been going through has really impacted consulting. I did a pandemic uh, exercise with a client right before this started. So wow. they, they gave me a call afterwards and was like, yeah, that was a good topic choice this year. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I would have said, what do we spend our money on? Right. Happen, right? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, were you expecting this event to get to this extent? Like, when did you start to get the feeling this is this is going to get bad for 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 the uh, the country, I think as I think as though as, as soon as as we started to see the seriousness from the White House and we understood that they were going to have to really consider closing down the economy, but I think one of the things I will say it could have even been worse because when mm. we've done so many pandemic exercises, there never is a good ending. Mm. Uh, I think we've been blessed, and I keep telling people this: we still had electric power, we still had all the other utilities. Right. We all know if that had really the pandemic and we had had a much higher mortality rate. We know how quickly everything could have uh, could have crumbled, um, and even though we had issues, we could still, you know, we were still able to operate in a lot of different areas. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. So uh, you've been in in the industry now. You've been working through. Uh, you said about 20, 21 years at this point. I'm about thirty years total now in business. Wow. We are. Wow. So, so based on what you've seen in the past and the way we've been headed, you know, how would you give the BC industry, what, what letter grade would you give the BC industry as it comes to the pandemic? Would you say that we, we were firing all cylinders as a whole, or was there any, any, uh, things we could have improved on right away? Like, and what was your assessment? I, th- I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Uh, we always will have those outliers that are just do a phenomenal job. And it's because it's embedded in their culture and management takes it seriously and believes in the team. And then we have the majority of others that will either be halfway and those that, that, you know what, they don't even know what BCM stands for. Mm. Um, I believe as overall as an industry, we still need, we had a ways to improve during this, this process. It wasn't for lack of effort from the business continuity uh, industry and teams. It was more that management in embracing it and utilizing it as a, as a tool to respond. Right. And, and I think that's a common thread. And, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of industry conferences over the last few years. That seems to be a topic that we keep on revisiting over and over and over again. And, and so it just seems like nothing much has changed. So, the, you know, the, one of the reasons we wanted to talk today and the reason mm-hmm. I reached out was that article that you wrote uh, recently. It's called Sidelined the Strange Fate of BCM During the COVID Pandemic. Yeah. That That really touched on 
the reality many people were facing. So why don't you give our audience a quick, um, you know, understanding of, you know, why you decided to write that particular article and what you were focused on there when you intended to write it? Well, it was quite interesting. We, we had a focus group. Uh, we have a focus group for BCM metrics. And I brought up because I'd heard from a number of our clients that they felt that, you know what, I'm being ignored. Management isn't, isn't utilizing all the data and information. They're not trusting me as a trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd heard this from more than once. So I took our focus group and we did a survey. Well, that survey proved in a lot of cases, BCM was being relegated to the sidelines, left on the bench. And it wasn't in many cases, not because they didn't know what they were doing or had the right information. Management, though, has just decided, you know what, we're going to go with the way, ad hoc way we know we, we respond every day versus let's use a trusted approach that will work. Wow. So why did you decide to write the article? Was it just something uh, that you felt like this information has got to get out there? Or That's exactly why I wrote it, because I see this from so many different groups. People saying, Michael, thank you for writing this, because this is what's happening. This is what people aren't asking me. They're not asking what, who's essential, who isn't. Um, they're not asking me to lead the crisis management team. Now, what's interesting on the flip side, we had those that guess what? They have built business continuity into their culture. In those cases, guess who was actually trusted? The business continuity people. It's stark difference when management trusted and believes and it embeds it versus those that just see it as a function within the company. Right. So you have a unique view and many consultants do because they get to talk to multiple BC program leaders and get a pulse over multiple industries, et cetera. Right. So when you posted this article the first time and you started to get some feedback, what was that like? Did people receptive to that? Do they agree with that? What's interesting, of course, the people that most of the people that responded said, yes, in their case, it was good. But there were so many people that, you know, I knew contacted me behind the scenes because they didn't want to put anything out there and they, people would know who they were, what company they were from. Uh, so that's the interesting part. And that's how, and I honestly believe we need to change it so that guess what? Business continuity has a person in the C-suite. We need to have a chief business continuity officer. We already have a chief information security officer. Why can't we have a chief business continuity officer? And that has been played with for years. And I'll tell you why too, I believe. I think on the back end, we must make our certifications more stringent, more difficult to attain so that management trusts us because guess what? We put the back end work to say we are capable of leading a company. Right. So, you know, you've written this article now and you've gotten, uh, you know, some initial feedback. Let, let's let's dive a little deeper into why this sort of stuff happens. I mean, like you said, I've, I've seen uh, many articles in, in, uh, in the past and, and well as presentations on how to build engagement. But again, it seems like our industry has a challenge. Now I come from public health. That's where my background started. Okay. So I really understand this concept of preparedness comes in cycles. People look at preparedness as almost like a, it's a must have when the situation just happened. But then as soon as it's been a few months or years, then it, you know, that's the first place to cut, right? Exactly. So, you know, I don't know, I, I get frustrated sometimes because I'm thinking, you know, is this something we can never overcome? Like, so, you know, as you're thinking about this in the realm of business continuity, why does this tend to happen in your perspective? Like, how do we, how do we end up in this position all the time? Uh, well, and again, it goes back to, if you do if, if you take a look at financial institutions, it's built in again, it's built into every decision they make, everything from the IT to the business side, to strategic management over all of the organization. That's why for them it works all the time because it's continually 
It's a requirement. It's continued to be exercised and maintained. The many other organizations, because it's not a requirement, management doesn't see a need to build it and implement it across the organization from the highest levels to the lowest levels within the organization. Um, and we saw that in this engagement. We had clients that, again, were either financial or had other high levels of regulation. They operated so well, it was inconvenience. And others, it was total chaos because management had never used it and had you know, said, hey, this is a key tool for us to use. Right. Uh, and I honestly also say one other thing is on, the, on our end as an industry, business continuity practitioners have to how can I put it, have to make sure they're part of the key team and they have to learn how to become a trusted advisor to management and kind of force themselves into that position of saying, I am a trusted advisor because I am good at what I do. Right. So, you know, who was, in your opinion, kind of, you know, was, you know, taking over in, instead of BC in these situations, you know, who was the kind of the bad guy, I guess? <laughs> we were... There's a lot of... Um, what we saw was management was basically saying, all right, I got my team, my normal management team, and guess what? They started assigning tasks out, and those that wanted to say, wow, some people saw this, this is a great opportunity for me to even get more kudos. So we saw a lot of people taking over and saying, this is good for me, and I'm going to handle it, and I'm not letting you know what I'm doing. Uh, and it was just, you saw that a lot of ad hoc teams being built and people just running with it, and here was the worst part. Because we had people running with it all over the all over the, the company, it was chaos, not even organized chaos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's already can be siloed in, in, in the activities we do. So I can imagine in a crisis that can quickly devolve into anarchy as well. well we had one, one, one client who has a really good business continuity office, and he was saying he, HR wouldn't even give him uh, information on the reopening plan. And he was like, well, how can I help divine, uh, devise the reopening plan? If I don't have what HR wants and need. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's a curious situation. I mean, you have to think like what was the circumstance that led up to that? Because, you know, is it just a you know, it devolved into kind of like a Mad Max scenario where everybody's fighting for themselves or <laughs> in some ways it ended up being that way. So I really hope over time BC is seen as it is one of our critical support functions. It keeps us up and running uh, no matter what. So, you know, do you think that uh, executives really, like you said, you mentioned the, uh, the, the example of people kind of just leaned on their management teams to mm -hmm. handle these sort of things. I mean, how do you think it happened where business continuity is a program, right? They're, they obviously pay the money for this program. Yeah. That's got to be, in the back of their mind somehow, don't you think? Or do, they, do you really think they just kind of said, no, I don't know them enough to trust on them? I, I think it's two things. One, a lot of, well, the people will pay for it, but they don't use it. It's kind of like that subscription, right? We all have that uh -huh. we continue to pay for every month and we don't use. And then secondly, I will tell you this, that's why it's so important you present and portray and show you're a trusted advisor. Business continuity doesn't, or management doesn't trust business continuity. And I know some people are going to get mad at me saying that, but I see it all the time. They don't believe in them and what they've produced and how they can help. That's a good point. And, and that's the thing we constantly struggle. I've heard, this is the theme that I've, I'm hearing from a lot of my guests on the show and what I've seen. I mean, like if you think about it, just in LinkedIn alone, if you're, if you're participant of LinkedIn, I know in yeah. the last couple of uh, weeks, especially since COVID started, 
I've really noticed a large number of people in our profession saying, Hey, I need a job. I've been let go. And I'm yes. like, how is that possible that the person responsible for responding to a pandemic is in the first round of furloughs, you know? Right. You know, so you, you can always point to, well, maybe they didn't do a good job or maybe they, they, they were not uh, top of mind because their programs were getting smaller and smaller, even before this happened. You can say all that, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if, if people just don't have an awareness at all, you, you've done some things incorrect in the front end to get to this place. And again, I'm, I'm not knocking anybody out there who's lost their position because I know it's, it's easy in this, this time for people to make uh, knee jerk reactions, right? Yes. So it's not always the case where people are just not pulling their weight and therefore they get cut, but sometimes it can be the case, right? It, Absolutely. So, you know, when you're thinking about that, when you're looking at your clients and the, the anecdotes you've got, you know, what is the advice we could give to VCM professionals before and potentially during an event to kind of raise the flag that, hey, I'm here and I got this. Is it just a matter of confidence or is it a matter of good plans? What, what do you think it is? Well, and, and I'm, I'm actually going to be doing a new uh, a DRJ here. I'm coming up with a with a session called on building your brand. Yeah. And it really is about built and people probably think, why do I need this as a business continuity professional? It's everything about being a business continuity professional. It's kind of like as a consulting firm, it's really about building that brand, about the level of professionalism, capabilities uh, that you have in order to present the organization during a, during a response to an event. And I think as an or, as a overall industry, all of us need to improve our skill set, our certifications and our capabilities, not just the ability to show it technically, but so importantly, how do I communicate and present myself? So when you show up in an event, you present that picture of, I can trust this individual to lead us. Right. It's so important. We all know I've been through through events where I've had people that, that I worked with that it could be something so small, but they would look at you like the, the, the look on their face was like, holy cow, the world's falling apart. Yeah. And you drew working with them. Right. So I think overall BCM, we must, come, we must come up with a brand that really is that bulletproof that bulletproof image. Right. And man, you're here. Yeah. And I think maybe that's the key right there. And, and I love how you're talking about brand. That's one of the big facets that I, that I've been really thinking about over the last two years is brand value is such a big part of your program. It cannot be overlooked. And I think that's one of the biggest disservices. We, we tend to spend so much time on BIA, get that out the door, plan, get that out the door, exactly. exercise, get that out the door. And then we're wondering, why people are not as interested to keep, you know, working through stuff with us or, or, you know, so when I was, when I was thinking about uh, brand value, one of the things you have to immediately do is you have to be able to solve problems, right? Yes. You have to show that people are, that you're able to, to solve problems before you can't wait. Like, it's not like a superhero that just appears out of nowhere and pulls off their, their uh, <laughs> external costume and now has their superhero clothes yeah. underneath there. And people are just going to immediately trust them. We can't operate like that, but I think that's what we, we end up doing a lot. I mean, like, what's your experience with that? Do you think uh, we just come from the shadows all the time expecting <laughs> people to oh, believe wow. us? So when I was a programmer, I worked with this fabulous CIO. And there's nothing more that pissed him off or, excuse me, irritated him. Was the guys, they would try to come in in the middle of the night and fix a program that had failed. Right? And his whole thing was, I don't want you in there in the middle of the night fixing things. The way you do everything each and every day should minimize or eliminate you ever having to come in and be the hero and save the day. And it's kind of the same in business continuity. That's the way I was, was at B of A. 
create, I created all of the process. I created all the communications, the brand of business continuity. We were so involved. Everybody believed we didn't have to come in and save the day because it was already, we built it in mm. and we built our brand that management knew us Yeah, and knew who yeah, I mean, like it should not just be the CEO. It should be every single member of your team that knows, hey, exactly. we got something for this. You know, the top to the bottom, and and I think again, it goes back to how do we train our business content professionals to be that individual? And I will tell you, the other thing is they do not. A lot of business content professionals do not feel comfortable when they're in the C-suite oh, level. Yeah, they do not feel comfortable with them. They don't feel they 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 are part of the team. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, and I appreciate uh, you being candid about your upcoming presentation. I'm wondering if you can, you know, we can dive down this road a little bit. I, I mean, the yeah. idea of brand in a, I think that's a really big response or a capability that we have to build beforehand, right? So we don't get into yeah. these situations. You know, is it a just a simple, is it a simple thing or is this a challenging thing? Is this something that somebody can easily start to pick up if they've not done it before? and prepare themselves for these types of scenarios by building their brand? How, how would you approach that? I think if I had to be building my brand, kind of like I did, because I really started on the front end of business continuity, mm -hmm. you know, when it was still starting, uh, even though B of A was, was leading, we were continually learning. So number one is really building that, that knowledge of what is it I need to do, not only from a, you know, from a pure knowledge base, but number two, how am I going to apply it to my business? and the culture of my company. Mm. So when I do it, I'm building not only my brand, but I'm building it with the brand of the company. So it becomes kind of all integrated. Um, that's something we always did. You know, and I think I've learned as we build different companies is when we build business continuity into them, it's not only the practical side, how do we apply it and how do we apply it based on the culture and mission of that company? And it takes time. Yeah. And it yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. I agree with that. Uh, and, and I think the biggest thing though too is also educating the management. Um, there's nothing worse that we'll do major presentations. And we finally have learned this as a firm. We've done major presentations after long engagements and the one manager raises their hand and they ask you a question. You're like, Oh my God, I covered that three months ago. <laughs> we still re don't remember what a BIA is. So it, it takes time and effort and not to give up. I, I, I think you're hammering in on a good point right there. I, I think what's, What's consistent and what I've seen in working with C-suite executives is that their attention span is not as oh. long as yours as a VC professional, right? You're meaning, no. meaning you're in it every day, right? And they're in it for yeah. 15 minutes. That's exactly <laughs> right. So, you know, you've got to develop a strategy that incorporates much either more frequent or more regular or more impactful. You got to pick one of those three or all of those three, really. But but uh, you got to you got to be able to do that now. You know how how have you seen in your in the programs that you worked with that were mm -hmm. successful? Obviously, they had some regulation in some cases that kind of yeah. backed them up. Were there any yeah. instances that you just heard of an anecdote or a story of somebody who really kind of was immersed and and was a leader during COVID that uh, you, you think others should apply to their programs? Well, and, and I think those that did did it well, the communication was simply outstanding. And they continually kept their organization up to date. And they had done that previously in building their business continuity brand. So they were seen at, even before an event, continually were communicated with, here's what we do, how we do it, how you're, how you, we prepare your department, how you can prepare yourself. So guess what? When things had happened, it was always, hey, I know who's going to manage us. I believe in them. They've done it before. Here's what they have for us. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that I saw did it exceptionally well. 
Uh, and it was great to hear, you know, some of the stories from my management uh, colleagues that, hey, so-and-so led us so well through this. Right. Uh, it was great to hear because they were trusted and they built their brand. Right, right. So, you know, at the end of the day, this is not, I don't feel like we've we've come up with any groundbreaking information. Today. It no. just seems to be an application, uh, you know, being able to actually do and, and develop these types of skill sets. I mean, we always talk about... Um, Again, going back to industry conferences, building your soft skills or, or building the, you know, there's yeah. so many topics like that. And I'm just like, you know, how, how would we, how would somebody, okay, let me, let me rephrase this. If we're in the middle of this, in, th in this case, these situations where business continuity is being kind of pushed to the side, mm -hmm. you know, what would be some things in your opinion that, you know, really gets, uh, us back in the mix is it is it uh, more just shift to what you know is 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 working is it the operational side or is it just again hammering into the c-suite instead and focusing on on getting your your voice heard how would you approach that well i think it's, it's both i think one you have to prove yourself operationally that you have the information and the capabilities to help lead whether that's indirectly or through others influence but I think number two, most importantly, is is getting that champion within your company that can lead you back up into that C-suite. Now, yeah. there's one thing I would say too. People will probably get irritated with me. Some of us can some of us can work well with the C-suite and can develop the skills. Some of us never will. Mm. And that's a really hard one. And I always tell people, it's kind of like when I tell them, if you can't facilitate, coordinate, uh, you know what? And if you don't do it, either try to get the skills, or if you don't, you may need somebody else who can. That's a good point. You might need a, uh, a ambassador. <laughs> you might need somebody and that's okay because you know, maybe you're tactically very good at business continuity, but you're not that individual that they're going to lean on and say, Hey, sit inside here with us, help us strategically guide the company during this event. And you have to understand that. Right. Now that's a good point. And in, in some of my experiences, I recall having a very good ambassador or vice president leader right. that could, could step in and say, Hey, don't forget this. And their word is, is, uh, much more, uh, appreciated and heard than if I were, you know, raising my hand in the background and, and saying that, right. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. So, yeah. you know, we're obviously moving into, uh, kind of like the, the next phase of, of COVID we're starting to see cases go down, businesses are opening up, you know, if you're in that situation where, you you've had this experience you're, the, the company has kind of led and and started down the road of recovery return to work you know recovery planning and and kind, you're kind of been left behind you know at this point if you're still working in that company and you're still operating you know what what would your your focus be at this point what would you anticipate is kind of the strategic steps to kind of get back into where we're suggesting you should be i would i would take the lead and say, okay, how can I help with the after action review? Yeah. How can I, how can I know what worked, what didn't work, you know, and, and really work with managers and say, let us, let us be the folks that help implement it and help change and improve our capabilities from where they were before and after be that person who makes that change and helps lead the change. So that guess what? Now you become that person at the forefront who's implementing this and now taking the company to the next level. Right. Right now, it's definitely an issue uh, we've all got to address, and I'm glad you wrote that. I think that would need that needs to be at the forefront because you know we can talk about it beforehand, 
But this incident mm-hmm. really was the case history of was business continuity seen as a, you know, overall seen as a value add or was it not? And in some cases, a lot more than I would like, it was, right. it was not. Um, at least it was, uh, you know, we started to see that people were not trusting us as much as we would like them to. Um, yeah. and, and separate the, you know, there's a thin line between chaos and organized chaos. And uh, it's amazing. My brother's a firefighter at NASA and we, he always uses the example that says, you know, you may see us at a fire and I've got, it looks like we've got a million people running around with hoses and all kinds of stuff. But me as a chief, I know exactly where everybody is and why they're there and what they're doing. And he says, you have to apply the same approach to business continuity. Mm, excellent. How to keep that organized chaos. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much for uh, this, this discussion. I, I think it's an important one. And I hope that our audience learned a little bit about, uh, you know, how things are, uh, you know, in our industry and how we could keep working towards improving ourselves to, to be better. And hopefully uh, we won't be in this situation that others may have experienced this time. So thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate your time today, Michael. Thank you. It was simply outstanding. Love to speak again. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us this week on the Failover Plan podcast. You can find out more about Michael Herrera and the article he wrote by visiting our website at failoverpodcast.com. As always, make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and other podcast sites. Leave us a review this week so we keep getting better at this. Thanks again for listening, and remember, why learn how to do something on your own when there's got to be someone else who may have already learned this the hard way.